Chapter 4, The Future is Shared. Quote, Life doesn't make sense without interdependence. We need each other, and the sooner we learn, the better it is for us all. Eric Erickson. The time for change of how organizations are structured, how organizations share information, and how individuals and teams share success is now. We cannot wait for the perfect time to initiate the changes needed, nor can we procrastinate creating a culture where people are empowered to advance the vision and mission in potent ways. We must commit to leading the changes that creates a culture where failures are learnings and ideas are met with the words, yes, and. We have the courage to make change now to create cultures where openness and transparency is the new norm. We are being called to lead a change leadership culture where the predominant words we hear are, let's find out how we can make this happen, and let's focus on creative solutions. There are two ways to navigate the future. The first starts with ourselves. We must lead ourselves first in order to create our individual futures. That's why a lot of the focus in this book is about the mindsets and the strategies that individuals need to continue to develop. The second way to navigate the future is to influence and engage with others. My vision is that as each individual develops his or her best version of self, then together we can create untold breakthroughs and innovations that can truly change the world. There's research that points to the fact that the future of work will operate more as a shared leadership structure than the current hierarchical structures we still see in many businesses today. Typically, traditional businesses that have been around for long periods of time have grown through the business structure of top-down leadership. In the past, leadership was about a lone or single leader telling team members what to do and how to do it. Now and in the future, leadership is radically changing. There's a movement towards autonomy and intrapreneurship within organizations. With the increase of remote workers, project work, and contract work, we're going to see even more of a swing towards personal leadership, where each team member must have foundational leadership skills. Startup companies are more likely to structure as less of a top-down leadership culture and more towards a team leadership and even co-leadership at all levels within the organization. There is a need for a new type of leadership for a new and emerging workforce. Top-down leadership workplaces are no longer the norm. It's now common to see founders working alongside interns and teams working together in open space office setups. The era of cloistered CEOs and senior leadership on the top floor is going away. The co-CEO model has emerged as a result of fast pace of change, increasing need for innovation, and no time to waste with siloed departments. The very term co-CEO indicates cooperation, where solo CEOs can be their own silo. Millennials and Gen Z find a collaborative and all-inclusive company culture extremely appealing. If you're a traditional leader who has come through the decades with a command and control type approach, then there is no doubt you will find the very notion of being a co-CEO as a no-go. If you're a my way or highway kind of person, you would and will struggle with shared leadership. Although we could assume that a co-CEO arrangement would be all kumbaya, let's not diminish the reality that there is and would be inevitable conflict. In order to be an effective co-CEO, you would at minimum have to have the three mindsets outlined in Chapter 3. The actual practice of sharing leadership requires tremendous self-knowledge, willingness to cede power, and a desire to focus on the bigger picture than on self-image or self-power. Companies that have gone the co-CEO route include one of the most well-known early adopters of the concept, Oracle. The co-CEOs, Safra Katz and Mark Hurd, have been leading the company together and have modeled how it can work for a large organization. 
Salesforce recently announced in August of 2018 that COO Keith Block was being promoted to co-CEO alongside Mark Benioff. Block joined the company in 2013 from Oracle and in his time at Salesforce helped triple revenue and increase stock price. When asked why he promoted and gave the title change for Block to co-CEO, Benioff replied, the functions will stay the same and it was important to formalize the relationships between Block and Benioff as the company grows and expands. The co-CEO structure works when you have codes of conduct and an agreement to present a unified front to the company, clients, and marketplace. With careful planning and focused intention, successful co-CEO teams are able to stay unified under all circumstances. This means that disagreements behind closed doors are a good best practice, as well as an agreement on how to handle disagreements that happen in front of teams. The moment co-CEOs make a decision, that decision needs to be an us decision with complete commitment to the direction, whether it results in success or failure. Co-CEO is one way to model shared power and the future of work trend towards shared leadership. There are numerous ways that leaders, teams, and entrepreneurs can navigate a shared future. The evolution towards a shared future is a result of a cultural shift of moving from me to we. In my book, The Art of Change Leadership, Driving Transformation in a Fast-Paced World, I share some information on me to we from a few models, including Ken Wilber's Aqua model, which is shorthand for all quadrants, all levels, all states, all types, all lines. The model is based on integral theory and the five crucial elements required to create the most comprehensive understanding of evolution and the breadth of human thought and human development. In my opinion, his work is one of the most comprehensive tools on how to achieve the self-actualization level of the Maslow's hierarchy. Wilbur provides insights into the lines of development that each human goes through and ultimately how that is reflected in overall progress of all of us as a human race. Each color in the model represents level of thought and cultural development. The colors in the model and the meaning, starting from lowest to highest, are color brown, Level, archaic. Overview, survival, instinct, intuition. Where it's found, war zones. Color, magenta. Level, tribal. Overview, superstitious, ritual, customs. Where it's found, traditional cultures. Color, red. Level, warrior. Overview, ego, aggressive, patriarchal. Where it's found, gangs and militia. Color, amber. Level, traditional. Overview, Rules, morality, conservative. Where it's found, religion. Color orange, modernist. Overview, rational, science, achievement. Where it's found, business. Color green, level, postmodern. Overview, sensitive, world-centric. Where it's found, environmentalists. Color teal, level, emergent. Overview, integral, head, heart, flex, flow. Where it's found, Wellness. Color turquoise. Level mature. Integral. Overview. Holistic. Conscious evolution. Where it's found. Future of the world. Color ultraviolet. Level post-integral. Overview. Transpersonal. Oneness. Where it's found. Transcendence. The model of colors can be applied to any system or process and can be used to help guide towards aspirational goals of progress as an individual, a family, a company, or the world. As each of us ascends and evolves our worldviews, we are able to bring more of a shared perspective and approach to all of our relationships. 
With progress through the aqua model, we actually transcend beyond a level and include all of the gifts, learnings, and values of each level. For example, if your company culture is in the red level, then that means you likely have a high focus on sales, profitability, aggression to get the job done, and you base success on results only. The value, of course, is drive, ambition, and achievement. However, if a company stays in the red line of development, the culture can become siloed, internally competitive, and high levels of burnout. The colors associated with a shared leadership culture would be the green, teal, and beyond, while including all of the positive aspects of the preceding colors of green, orange, amber, red, magenta, and brown. When looking at the progression of each color, you can see that it is a model for shifting from me to we. Often for leaders, it can be confusing to make the leap from the reality of leadership today, which requires someone to be in charge, to the concept of we. A simple way to think of me to we is that we are becoming more interdependent with each other rather than solely independent or codependent. The definition of independent is free from outside control, not depending on another's authority, or not depending on another for livelihood or subsistence. A key component of creating shared leadership, we, is that the company consists of autonomous and independent me's. Leaders commonly feel frustrated or feel like glorified babysitters rather than a facilitator of fully functioning independent team members. You cannot create a company culture or teams without independent thinking and behaving individuals. You've probably heard of codependency, either through therapy, psychology classes, or through exposure to human behavior studies. The main difference between codependency and interdependency is someone relying on someone else in an unhealthy way rather than working together in a healthy way. The definition of codependency is, codependency is the concept of a dysfunctional helping relationship when one person supports or enables another person's addiction, poor mental health, immaturity, irresponsibility, or underachievement. You might think that codependency is more of a dynamic in personal relationships, but there's also many codependent patterns in the workplace as well. An example of codependency in the workplace can be where a leader lets a team member get away with poor performance or supports his or her underachievements. Or a team member knowingly does more work than an underperforming team member because he or she feels bad or sorry for them. In fact, we can even be codependent in an actual organization in that we may know it's time to move on or to grow, but we stay with an organization anyway because it pays the bills or because it's easier than making a change. Often, companies that provide golden handcuffs are perpetuating a codependent culture. When I was in banking, golden handcuffs included low-interest borrowing and a steady paycheck, which can be viewed as great reasons to work. However, they can also be reasons why someone might never leave. The definition of interdependency is the state of mutual dependence, a form of symbiosis or close mutual interdependence of two species, interdependence of two nations' economies, interdependence of mental, physical, and spiritual health, a mutually dependent relationship, interdependence between factors. Interdependence in a company is a culture where departments share information and resources across the board and are not limited by budget, innovations, or resources. Interdependence between people in a workplace means the sharing of knowledge, ideas, success tips, resources, people, and more to achieve overall goals and objectives. In a predominantly me-minded organization, you have the following cultural phenomena. Large egos, unhealthy competition, throwing people under the bus, CYA, avoiding the elephant in the room, passive-aggressive communication, 
lack of information, silos, punishment by performance review, top-down leadership, lack of autonomy, fear of making decisions, fear of failure, fear of innovation, looking out for self. In a workplace that is moving towards and becoming a we organization, you have the following cultural phenomena. Healthy aware egos, healthy competition, helping others succeed, open and honest communication, willingness to address the elephant in the room, assertive communication, abundant open information, transparency, trust, holding each other accountable, interdependence between departments, sharing all resources, leadership shares power with all levels in company, autonomy, real-time coaching and review to help people learn and grow, willingness to make decisions, willingness to take risks, willingness to fail and learn, willingness to innovate, looking out for self and others. There are financial gains of moving towards a we culture and one of shared leadership. I want to clarify that with shared leadership, we are creating a mindset and culture shift that then leads to the best structures, systems, and processes for that specific company. In my book, The Art of Change Leadership, I wrote about the movement towards holacracy, one form of a shared leadership model, which companies such as Zappos and GE have been using. Here in this book, I want to provide you with an overview of holacracy and sociocracy to give a context and examples of some shared leadership models that already exist. My prediction is that companies will create their own versions of shared leadership based on cultural and unique dynamics within each company. Holacracy. The question that led to the creation of holacracy included, what if we lived in a world without hierarchies? Entrepreneur and software engineer Brian Robertson created the self-management system in 2007, and his company, Holacracy One, says more than 300 businesses worldwide use it. The promise of Holacracy is to provide radical rethinking of how companies operate. Its essence is to create a flatter organization and to throw out the traditional top-down hierarchical work charts. The top-down model of power flowing from the top is the model of many organizations today, and many workers are familiar with it. Holacracy is structured to be decentralized decision-making, which empowers employees and boosts innovation by reducing red tape. In a holocratic system, the company's structure focuses on roles, not power. Titles such as manager or CEO are not prevalent. The roles consist of responsibilities and are constantly redesigned. The managers are titled lead links and do not control people, but rather the responsibilities of each of the role is what they control. Under the holocratic model, each employee fills multiple roles and teams locally make decisions. At its highest ideal, the company resembles a thriving hub of self-directed, highly innovative teams. The main premise of holacracy is flat company management with increased cooperation. Advocates for holacracy claim that the structure creates more collaboration between groups than normally would be in a siloed organization and therefore leads to increased creativity. Tony Say, CEO of Zappos, continues to be a proponent of the system. However, there has been some pushback from other companies claiming that holacracy is not a people-first solution. Some of the challenges with holacracy is human nature. Humans are not meant to operate like software. The holocratic system replaces managers with process. Research by Gallup Business Journal found two flaws with the loss of the human factor. Number one is employee engagement is at its lowest when people feel ignored. And to replace managers with process eliminates the human factor. 
Secondly, Gallup research has also found that humans have a basic need for clear expectations. The importance of a manager is having a human focused on consistent communication, accountability, and nurturing growth. In holacracy, the lead links, instead of managers, are tasked with defining roles and responsibilities, not leading. The opportunity for holacracy in the future is to create a greater emphasis on people focus, not function focus. What is sociocracy? Sociocracy, also called dynamic governments, emerged as a management system in the middle of the 20th century. The key attributes of sociocracy are, number one, decisions are made by agreement. Number two, the organization is structured in circles. Number three, the circles are interlinked. Number four, the lead links, formerly known as managers, are elected. When Brian Robertson created Holacracy in 2007, he took the main elements of sociocracy and added a few other elements. If we were to put Holacracy and sociocracy on the color scale of the aqua map by Wilbur, the color associated would be teal or turquoise as a we construct. What the two systems of Holacracy and sociocracy have in common is that they both enable teams to self-organize. There is no formal hierarchy, but rather there's a structure, a functional hierarchy that focuses on the distribution of power throughout the company. The difference between Holacracy and sociocracy are, sociocracy was founded as a social or political idea with foundational beliefs that the whole world should govern with a left political worldview. Holacracy is not political. It was developed as a way to optimize organizational workflow and to increase innovation and agility. Sociocracy aims at continuous evolution of a system. However, the focus is not on agility. People are not openly encouraged to speak up when they feel something should be changed. A major goal of holacracy is agility, and people are encouraged to bring up tension if something can be improved by changing it. Then you are encouraged to speak up. In the past and somewhat in the present, agility in an organization meant having to convince higher-ups of a recommended change. In holacracy, and to some extent sociocracy, that logic is turned upside down. A change goes through once the circles, which may or not include senior leadership, put forward the change. The change goes ahead unless a valid argument can be made against the change. By valid, this means a logical and clearly defined objection. In regards to people, sociocracy does not make a difference between people and roles. Holacracy roles are defined and people are associated with roles. One person can have multiple roles and be a part of multiple circles. Both sociocracy and holacracy are systems created to democratize the workplace and increase collaboration and consensus, and in the case of holacracy, agility. When it comes to navigating the future of work, it's vital that we identify the cultural shifts that are required to move towards a we, or shared leadership company. Research has shown that millennials, age 23 to 37, and Gen Zs, age 16 to 22, are attracted to working for organizations that share data, online sharing resources, and have a shared leadership structure. The rise of co-working spaces is a great example of a shared future growing rapidly. In the U.S., there will be 3.8 million co-workers by 2020 and 5.1 million by 2022. Co-working is a great example of a shared leadership way of working. The future of work, everyone will be a leader. If there is anything that the shared leadership movement is making evident, it's that there will be an increased need for everyone within the company to become more independent and accountable than ever before. The movement towards independent workers means eventually we will have a whole bunch of entrepreneurs who've developed fundamental leadership and business skills being hired as entrepreneurs within companies. My definition of an entrepreneur is an independent-minded worker with abundant resources and support to work both independently and interdependently within an organization. 
The entrepreneurs have the autonomy of being self-employed along with the built-in team and support of an organization. Of the next 27 million independent workers, 42% will be millennials. The next wave of independent workers will also be more ethnically diverse than the existing self-employed individuals. The 27 million new independent workers will consist of a higher percentage of African-American, Asian, and Hispanic workers. 71% of self-employed independent workers report having overall high career satisfaction compared to 61% of traditionally employed workers. The trends toward remote work, independent work, and shared work means that we have to be navigating the new structures for leadership, workplace, and client delivery. It's not difficult to see that the statement that everyone will be a leader is not a far-off prediction. In fact, it's actually happening due to shifts in worker attitudes and work habits being changed. In order for everyone to truly be a leader, it requires training on fundamental leadership skills for team members and next-level future-of-work skills for leaders and teams. There is an infographic for this chapter that can be found nextmapping.com forward slash nextmapping dash infographics dash download. At Nextmapping, we help leaders and teams create their own ideal shared leadership model without having to fit into the box of sociocracy or holacracy. Every organization has its unique culture, quirks, and dynamics. That means a one-size-fits-all approach may not be the solution. Through our next mapping process, we work with you to identify the best way to bridge the culture and success you've created to date with new systems, integration of existing or new technology, and based on a people-first approach. Not every organization is willing or able to make a complete shift to a holacracy or sociocracy model. The middle ground is a customized shared leadership strategy. The components to the next mapping shared leadership approach include investigating the current cultural norms setting a compelling vision for cultural change, asking for input from all stakeholders, accessing the roadblocks to shared leadership, creating the map toward the changes needed, identifying change leaders, implementing progressive changes towards cultural goals, measuring and monitoring progress, celebrating and continuous improvement. End of chapter four.